Good morning, everybody. The, um, thanks for the introduction, John. The, uh, it was actually a history degree the, um, which I got, and then specialised in medieval economic history at uh, LSE. So that would have helped it, you with it was, it was a good grounding for being in the trade union movement. But, but I did go on to Warwick, and uh, I did have the experience of doing an industrial relations degree there with um, with Hugh Clegg, with uh, Richard Hyman, with George Baines, and we uh, we had visits from Alan uh, Flanders at the time. It was just after the Donovan Commission. The, it was part of the shop stewards movement, which a lot of it was based in Coventry and Birmingham. And uh, I went into the trade union movement on the basis that we we were moving forward. Valhalla was in sight, and the um, and we look at where we are today, and it's slightly different. And, uh, but my union is slightly different to a general union. Yes, we're a general union. We recruit everybody from the cleaner all the way through to a chief executive. But we recruit public service workers, and we represent public services as well as public service workers. And uh, the other thing about our union is we have over a million women in membership. And if you look at what's been said about the undecided vote, and I'm not too certain they are undecided, it's women who are still undecided on which way to vote in the, um, in the forthcoming election. And a lot, of be a lot of play has been around what Unison will do, either from the exit brigade or from um, Downing Street itself, because of the influence that we may have on the, um, the, the actual referendum itself. And quite interestingly, I come from a union which, for... Most of my working life has been sceptical about the European Union. We oppose the big treaties, we oppose Maastricht, we oppose Lisbon. We're not in favour of this, um, this run towards the free trade and forgetting about the effects it has on ordinary people that we represent. And our position has been swayed by the need and the, the benefits of social Europe. So we're not part of this movement that talks about the advantages of trade and that be the be-all and end-all of everything. It's what the European Union can deliver for ordinary people throughout the European Union and uh, within our own country. But it's not just an issue for a general secretary standing up and saying, this is what I believe and this is what my union will follow, because we've done something slightly different. We've asked our members We've asked our members what we should be doing as part of this referendum. And we got shock. And what we did, we gave them a, a document which was written by both people who want to remain in, people who are agnostic, people who want to leave. It sets out the facts that you don't really get in the campaign. And we put it to our local people, to our branches, and 20% uh, of our branches, representing over 60,000 members, participated in the consultation. And so they had the information both sides, forget about what we've seen on television, the, some of the nonsense that is spoken uh, by, by both sides. It, a, a complete grounding in the uh, development of the European Union. You can get it online if you actually want to read it. And we gave guidance to our uh, local people about what they should be looking for. Should Unison itself make a recommendation? Should we be involved? You know, the first out for members, they may believe that this is something that is separate from their involvement in the union. But surprise, surprise, only 20, I think it was 17% of our local people said that we should keep out of it, that we, um, we should uh, abstain, we should be neutral and let the uh, population decide. And nearly 80% said that we should have a view. And from that 80%, when you look at the voting figures of this 60,000 that were consulted, 
over 90% of them said that the side that we should be in should be to remain. Now, say, coming from that background of a sceptical union, and people like me always been sceptical on platforms about the, um, you know, the, looking at the uh, power of commissioners, the, uh, the unaccountability uh, within the um, European Commission, it did come as a shock that this was the view of our members. When you actually give them the facts about the advantages, the disadvantages, the development, the, the, the issues, the questions, which have still got to be decided. And our union switched on the, uh, about 6th of April. We had meetings of our regions. We had meetings of, um, uh, of, the, of our uh, national committees representing not just our executive council, but also our different groups. Uh, local government, health, uh, transport, all of different groups uh, within the union. And then our equalities groups have got their own national committees, own conferences. Our black members group, 800 members at a meeting there. Our women group, 900 members at that meeting. And all of our national groupings, every single one of them coming together saying that we should campaign to remain. And the uh, only one region uh, the whole of the union of 1.3 million uh, decided that they wanted to campaign to leave the European Union. And they were doing it from a left perspective, which again we'll hear from Alex. You know. We're not at odds. There have been unions we've gone on parallel courses in the past. But the difference is that unionism is changing. You know, I may be a voice from the past. I've been involved uh, as long as John has uh, in, in many respects. And more and more, it's not that, you know, the, the few activists who determine overall policy. More and more, our members themselves want a say. And they want us at the centre to reflect what they think rather than to impose on them something that they don't think. And we're seeing it in industrial action ballots. We're seeing it every time we consult our members. And we're seeing it in the Labour Party itself with the growth of Labour Party membership, but also a view that we will decide rather than leave it to the career uh, politicians. And we followed up the work that we have done in deciding what our policy would be by asking our members how they wanted us to campaign. And we have organised focus groups. We use an organisation called Brit uh, Britain Thinks, which is, um, uh, works for quite a number of political parties uh, in this country. And they went to members, not to activists, not to the people that I work with, that I relate to, that I see every day. They made sure they were talking to members who were not active in the union. And the thing they said from us, or said was, we don't want an instruction. We want guidance. We want to know the issues that are relevant to Unison. And they believe that Unison should have a say in three areas. This was the overwhelming uh, result of the focus groups and surveys of members. And they believe that we should be campaigning for a yes vote. Not me saying it. They believe that we should be campaigning for a yes vote because the regulations that we rely on to protect our members are enshrined in European Union law. And they do not trust Tories taking us away from that because they've always opposed them in Europe. 
They've always been the people that we've had to fight to get any definition of a social Europe. They oppose the agency workers directive. They oppose the working time uh, directive. All of the things that we as trade unions, jointly, all of us, fought to get through our, um, through our work in Brussels, where we do come together as a, a very effective force, as has just been said now. And the other thing our members said to us was that they were worried, and it's not fear, they were worried about the risk. It's quite well thought through. They were worried about the risk that it would make up to our members' standards of living. And then you put it in perspective, and you see that our public service workers, they've gone through already five years of a pay freeze. 400,000 jobs have already gone over the last five years. We expect another 380,000 jobs to go over the next four years. Another pay freeze which lasts four years while inflation still rises. And I was at TUC only this week and they were working out how much had been taken out of pay of public service workers or will be in the next four years. And it's something like 8 billion. But it's 16 billion on the previous five years. And you can expect people who have really suffered because of the failure of our banking system and the powers that be over 10 years ago. The people who have suffered most have been ordinary people, and mainly within our public services, and we've gone through an austerity agenda. And they are really concerned that they will pay the price again, because there is no guarantee that the economy will improve. There's every indication, even from the Brexiteers, that there will be a shock after an, an exit. Now, everybody's taking it for granted. But what our members are saying is, we will be the ones who will be paying the price of that shock. It won't be the chief executives. It won't be the big multinational companies. It will be ordinary people who pay the price of that change. And they believe that losing their rights through the European Union, which have uh, come through in the last 20 years in the social chapter, and that risk is not worth taking. Now, it's not a negative approach. It's people's reality. Because as we've seen 400,000 jobs go, we all talk in figures, academics especially, so do politicians, and they talk in figures. But every person who is made redundant has to go home and say to his family or her family, my income's gone. And it's a tragedy in somebody's household. And that's what they are aware of more than anything. And a lot of it may be lack of trust in the politicians. The, uh, in our surveys, politicians get a 10% rating. They do not believe them. They believe that the politicians are creating confusion for their own ends, rather than thinking about our people. And finally, they are insulted by the way in which the National Health Service has become a pawn. When we're fighting tooth and nail to keep a publicly funded National Health Service, we've got people who have always opposed us telling us that if we come out, there will be money, there could be money, there could, they never say they will, there could be money for our National Health Service. And nobody believes it. And they, um, no, we know more than anybody that what we have to do is make sure that there is a will, a political will, in order to develop our public services. So I mean, it's quite well thought through why I'm standing before you to say that one of the biggest unions in this country has changed and has said that we will be recommending to our members to vote to remain. We will not be telling them 
will be saying they should vote, they must use their vote, that these issues have been raised by members themselves and they should take them into account. So three, three reasons, very, very practical. One, much of our employment rights are now enshrined in European Union law. Secondly, it's obviously the, um, you know, the, uh, the, the, this risk to their existing uh, well-being. And the, the third one is the effect it will have on public services, even if in the longer run it, it may change things. And I very much um, am very working with um, uh, probably the, the, the left within the Labour Party on this. We believe that the European Union is not the best thing since sliced bread, but what we should be doing is coming together to campaign for it and to campaign for change. And I had meetings of Greek public service unions, Italian public service unions and Spanish public service unions, which we read and see a lot about in the, um, in the media, about the difficulties that those countries are experiencing. And all of them, all of those public service unions said that Unison should be fighting to remain in us, to fight for change. Unions have never had anything given to them. We have fought for everything. And we've got to continue that fight within the European Union. And we will do. And other unions that we're involved in throughout Europe, representing public service workers, want us to be part of that fight for a better Europe, a social Europe, and for ordinary people to be able to grow and prosper within the context of a world economy. And uh, we believe that that can only happen if we vote to remain um, on the 23rd of June. So, now, in the short time we've got available, there's far more complexities to it, but the one thing our members did say is they give a 10% rating to the politicians. They give um, something like a 33% rating to their union. As long as we talk to them and advise them, rather than instruct them what to do and lead them down a path that they may not want to do. And that's why we'll be recommending to our members, firstly, that they register, secondly, that they vote, and thirdly, taking account of the big issues that have been raised in our own consultation. We vote to remain, but we vote to remain to fight for a better, peaceful Europe, rather than think that we can come out and leave it to those who look, talk about red tape, deregulation, when really all they're doing is attacking workers' rights and our essential public services. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.